This is Believe in Buckeye for Brian Brown and Chenny Chekwa. Chim, this show is brought to us by Bet Online. Hit him with the ad. So, with the NFL playoffs right around the corner and the NBA in full swing, Bet Online has you covered with all the up to the second odds, news, and scores. With additional odds, lines, trends, and info on both desktop and mobile, you can access the world's best wagering information anytime. Head there today to get in on the action. And all the updated odds, remember to use your promo code BELIEVE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. If you have any issues with gambling, always feel free to reach out to 1-800-GAMBLER. They're 24-7 to help you out with your needs. And on this show, like we say, this is Believe in Buckeyes with Brian Browning and Chimney Chuckle. We got a very special guest. We got one of our guys from the Believe Network, Joe DeLeon, coming over from the First team podcast, our college football and NFL draft analyst. How you doing, Joe? You out there in Southern California living it up? <laughs> yeah, apparently I'm getting a lot better weather than you guys are. I'm freezing my ass off, and then you're telling me you guys it's in the in the single digits. So I, I <laughs> definitely don't envy what you're going through and what the rest of the country's dealing with. Yeah, man. 60-degree weather in January is never anything to complain about, Joe. You got to learn that. Yeah, I you feel learn soft, that. man. I feel soft since I moved here. Uh, that's funny. That's funny. But, yeah, but Joe's on the show. Obviously, it's that time of the year. The college football season has ended, and now it's time to kind of talk about our guys that are leaving the program and are taking that leap going forward to, to achieve that goal and dream of playing into the NFL. Uh, obviously, we got uh, several guys here to kind of talk about. But, Jim, I know, Joe, this is a specialty, man. So don't don't hold back. Kind of let's get dig into our guys <laughs> and let's see what Joe has him at on his uh, on his draft board. Yeah, and I think, um, obviously, with, you know, Marvin Harrison being kind of that lead guy. Um, but some of these other guys, you got guard Matt Jones, uh, running back receiver Xavier Johnson, Steel Chambers, uh, Mike Hard, defensive tackle. Um, yeah, so who from the guys, the list of guys who are actually, because um, of some guys that we thought were leaving aren't, but those guys <laughs> who decided to to move on and pursue their their dream. Um, what do you got? Some of these guys at who's who's some of the highlights? You think? Yeah, first of all, the Ohio State class has been a, a little bit of a pain to to evaluate because it feels like <laughs> I, I start doing my work on them and then I'm like, wait, did this guy declare or not? And yeah. it's a total mixed bag. I can't figure out which guy did, which guy didn't. Like guys like Donovan Jackson, I thought we were going to declare who's a pretty good interior offensive lineman. He ends up going back um, and we'll probably end up talking about guys like Tyleek Williams and Travion Henderson, who I, I thought were for sure going to end up declaring because of how good of seasons they had. And they're going to be playing this this upcoming year for Ohio State, which is huge. But the one guy for me outside of the obvious one, Marvin Harrison Jr., who right now rivals Brock Bowers as that top prospect in the 2024 NFL draft. The, the next one for me that has just really shined, and I tweeted about it today, and it's kind of what sparked uh, me hopping on the show because <laughs> uh, my boss Eric sent you guys the sent you guys the clip and and then asked to you know to to get me onto the show to talk about it a little bit. Yeah. Um, Michael Hall Jr. is a player that I'm a very big fan of. He is doesn't really fit those physical boxes that you try to check with a defensive tackle, but for a three tech and the way that he plays, I think he's great for the position and great for the NFL. Not exactly a guy who's going to anchor against the run consistently, but has really good power, is really low to the ground, which makes him a pain in the ass to keep up with. But the big thing for me with Michael Hall Jr., He's got a lot of upside as a pass rusher. I see a guy that's got a lot of twitch, very active hands. 
he has uh, surprisingly he had a lot more good reps as a pass rusher than you would see in the in the box score. I think he only had two sacks this season, which seems so low considering all the times that you know he pressured guys. There were a number of times against Notre Dame, a number of times against Michigan that he really shined and made some big plays. So the big one for me that I think is going to rise throughout this process, especially when the NFL Combine comes around, is Michael Hall Jr. Okay, and when you say rise. You know what? Where do you think he could rise too? Because I know we saw we saw we saw from Mike off for for a couple of years. You go to practice, a couple years, one on ones. He's just destroying guys, right? <laughs> um, but you didn't. He didn't get the you know the level of hype going into this process, and maybe, maybe some of his teammates, right? So, where do you think that he may end up? Well, one thing that was really interesting with me for like watching him, I really thought coming into this year with all the guys that left last year that he was going to get a lot more reps. And I felt like he was like that third defensive tackle, even though it might not yeah. have been listed that way. It just felt mm -hmm. like the amount of times that he was rotating and he wasn't getting as many snaps as I would have hoped for. So like to talk about him rising, I would bet that a lot of NFL teams are like fringe top 100 for him and just want to see how he does throughout this process. How does he test? Does he put up good numbers? If that yeah. all goes according to plan, this is a day two pick for me. I think this is a guy who could go late um, second round, early third round. Outside of his physical traits, like just his physical size, him being on the shorter side, him only being 280 pounds, he's a great prospect. That's the only thing that I think might cause a little bit of pause from NFL teams is his size. But I think absolutely he goes to the combine. He's, he's going to blow it up, and he could be a guy who uh, does end up being one of the top five defensive tackles drafted. Okay. I always had I had an offensive line coach when I played for the Carolina Panthers. His name was John Masco. And he always used to say, uh, if you're a good D lineman, you're going to go up a, a whole round in the drafts because there's just not too many guys that could do it. So if you're really a, a, mm -hmm. a fifth, sixth guy, you probably can get up into like the, the fourth, fifth round or the third round just due to just being able to kind of have those abilities. Because, I mean, once again, we know, Michael, you can move. Like we've seen him do all kind of this big moves yeah. real quick for a guy his size. And obviously, like you say, the stat line didn't kind of show it. But but we, we – we, us Buckeye guys know that he definitely has some juice. But I, I want to kind of, I guess, hone in on one of our uh, – I'm going to say one of um, – Ohio State's fan favorites. I mean, he was definitely the leader of our defense for the last couple of years, and I believe he's coming out. I believe we got news that he's going to play in the Senior Bowl. A guy like Tommy Eckenberg, who was the anchor mm -hmm. of our defense for uh, basically three years, um, obviously he um, has some limitations to his game, but definitely is a very healthy player and tough player. Do you see anything flashing from him that maybe he could kind of get up into the ranks on the draft, or or, or what's your thoughts on that on him for so far? Uh, you if you have any. <laughs> right, yeah, no, I, I think you described him perfectly. I, he was somebody in the preseason um, that I really liked for what you talked about. Just a really smart football player. He's somebody who it, his reactiveness is what makes up for what he doesn't have in terms of athleticism. He's not going to be the most explosive guy. He's not going to be a guy that's going to run in the four fives or the four sixes. He probably will have one of the slower 40 times for a linebacker because there's all these other guys that are declaring like, uh, your rivals, uh, Junior Colson from Michigan, is going to be a guy that's you know going to yeah. make him look a, a little bit different considering how explosive he is. But he's somebody who I think somewhere day three a team is going to look at and say, we need to add smart football players to our defense that can play that Mike Backer role to anchor the defense the way that he did for Ohio State. One of the big things that I always talk about with draft prospects is that when guys have deficiencies, how can they make up for it? A lot of times guys have issues 
they don't have ways to to counter it, and that's what leads to them having lower draft stock. But the fact that he's so reactive and he makes his decisions so quickly was why I liked him this offseason. But realistically, somewhere day three, because of those traits, we know as the draft uh, calendar moves on over the next couple of months, the guys who do really well at the pro day and their combine are going to get propped up over a guy like Tommy Eichenberg. So I, I like him. Good special teams guy probably in the NFL, somewhere on day three. Um, but as you've talked about, such an important player for Ohio State, which I think is going to you know, really help him in, this, uh, in the coming months. Yeah, I think based on how you described him, I think he has a real good opportunity in like something like a senior bowl to really get oh, somebody yeah. to fall in love with him. I think that's where you know, some of those guys that may not necessarily test well um, or at least be elite when it comes to the testing aspect of it can show what they can do in a, a, a meeting room, can show um, right. how they play the game in front of the coaches. Everybody's going to be at, you know, be there in those, those senior bowl practices. So that's when a guy can really do his work and then just hope that, you know, a team falls in love with you there um, and that you don't hurt yourself in the rest of the, the rest of the draft process. Yeah, I think yeah. that's also, that's a really good point that you get him to draw stuff up on the board. He's probably going to be one of the best players in the draft class, that he's going to know every single, you know, little thing that he needs to talk about in terms of scheme. That's 100% a really good point, and he does have that advantage. I know that they changed the senior bowl rules now where it's not just upperclassmen, but he has that uh, that advantage of being amongst that group to meet with teams, talk to them, and to develop those relationships, which ultimately could end up. He's like you're talking about when we do get to the Senior Bowl and people are posting all these clips during the week, that there's going to be a ton of Tommy Eichenberg clips just because of him making mm -hmm. really good plays, dominating the drills because he's that type of guy. Yeah. yeah, I don't really yeah, so, like those clips, man. Those clips, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, you know, uh, safety for the Browns. Uh, yeah, it'd be like a lot of plus minuses, right? I mean, they'd be clipping yeah. a guy. They have a bad rep. They'd be clipping him like, oh, my, I can't believe he's even allowed to play football. I'm like, man, hold on. Uh, yeah. hold yeah, on I mean, it, it affects guys. Like, you get beaten in one-on-one rep, yeah. you going viral all over social media. Um, it's, it, I mean, it is kind of dumb because it's practice. We're we're not right. in a game, and <laughs> the dumbest part about it. And I I know I'm doing the, uh, you know, the whole Allen Iverson thing. We're talking about practice. The, <laughs> it, it's not even. We don't even pay attention to the results of the game for the Senior Bowl, which seems so backwards. We spend the whole week talking about just the individual drills. We don't even talk about the team period. It's all about the mm -hmm. one on one. So you bring up a really good point. There is a, a ton of overreaction to some of that stuff if guys play bad. But it, yeah, impact, it impacts you. It impacts your, your yeah. you know, people's perspective of your capabilities and what you can do. So, yeah, it is what it yeah. is. <laughs> right. Hey, Joe, we wanted to kind of dive into now. Obviously, at Ohio State, we had a ton of guys return, right? I mean, obviously, the, the season did not end the way we wanted to at Ohio State. We lost our rival game to Michigan. Then the bowl game, with, that's a whole show we, we had on the bowl game and how our offense kind of performed there. But this offseason, I mean, I, I think we've been really lighting it up this offseason, man. We had a lot of guys return. Uh, four guys on the defensive line, Jack Sawyer, Ty Hamilton, Ty League Williams, JT decided to come back as well. Travion Henderson, running back, decided to come back. Emeka Ibuka, who was kind of discussing maybe a first-round guy, decided to come back. What is your thoughts on that? Like, so what's your thoughts on the guys basically deciding to decide to, to come back for one more year of college football, and how do you think NIL might have played a, a role into that decision uh, for guys deciding to play, like I say, at least one more year of college instead of going on to the pros. 
Yeah, my, my biggest takeaway as soon as I saw the Travion Henderson news and the JT Tuamoylau news, like that was when it really started to hit home that you can really see how this team is coming together. It, it reminds me, and I know that some Ohio State fans don't want to hear a comparison to Michigan, but it reminds me of exactly what Michigan just did this past year where there was this whole, I forget what, what they named it, but there was the whole NIL movement to bring back the upperclassmen, which Blake Corum could have declared, Zach Zinter could have declared last year, but they decided right. to come back and their returning to the team was so important for them to go on this run. They were the most senior, they were the most experienced team in college football. And that level of experience, that level of physicality on both lines of scrimmage on offense and defense showed up against Alabama and it showed up in the uh, the national championship game against Washington that they kicked the crap out of them. So for not only Ohio State to bring back the guys that they're bringing back, but to bring back players at the most important positions in college football, which is offensive and defensive line, is going to pay significant dividends uh, in 2024. I also think what's really interesting that there's this, this seesaw with Michigan and Ohio State in this rivalry where Michigan starts winning the or uh, Ohio State was winning the rivalry and Michigan makes adjustments to beat them. And now we're seeing the seesaw back towards Ohio State where Jim Knowles is making all these adjustments, the way that he runs the defense, the way that he's built the roster, to now this point where they're coming back and the team looks very similar to what Michigan just did for this upcoming season. And they have the advantage on paper to beat them in 2024. The biggest thing for me, the biggest, biggest thing is the fact that they got Quinshawn Judkins and that Travion Henderson return. That is the best running back duo in college football. I, I don't even think there's a debate. I'm not even, you know, blowing smoke at you guys to, to make you feel good and Ohio State fans to feel good. That is the best running back room with two potential first-round running backs or at least top 100 running backs in the 2025 NFL draft. There is going to be such a, a problem for opposing teams to try to stop that dual-headed monster. So I'm, I'm very impressed with getting all these guys to return. Yeah, and I'll, I'll add it's a trio, man. It's, we got Dallin Hayden. Dalen Hayden. Right, yeah, he right, went, right. He I, I completely, I always forget yeah, about him. You don't know him yet, Joe. You don't know him yet, Joe. Well, he played his ass off. He played at the end of the season. He played his ass off, so I keep forgetting about him. <laughs> I, don't, I don't respect for everybody who wears a number five jersey at Ohio State. I'm going to have to say it's a, it's a trio. He hasn't, he hasn't had the opportunity to show that he's a, a top 100 guy yet, but that his day is coming as well. I'm just, just trying to get a little bit of perspective. You know, we talked about Mike Hall and his decision to, to, to go pro and where he could end up. Just comparing him to uh, Tyler Williams, who stayed, right, both playing the defensive tackle position. Um, how do those two stack up against each other, in your opinion? And th does his return to Ohio State surprise you versus, you know, Mike Hall moving on and, and, and going on to the draft? Yeah, the, I was, and I, we were talking about this a little before we started taping. I, I, I was really surprised by the ordering in which the defensive tackles declared because I, I would have thought a guy like Michael Jr. would have gone back because he was that third guy. He didn't rotate as much. And, and Tyleek Williams was, he really stepped up. With, with all the guys that, that jumped to the league and, and were no longer a part of the team for Ohio State, I remember coming into the season watching his tape and thinking with, with very little tape, didn't really play a ton in, in 2022 to really go off of, but you saw the potential there. You saw a really strong guy. The flexibility is amazing. That's something that's really hard to come by with defensive tackles of his frame to be as flexible yeah. as he is. 
And that's why I was really impressed. And I remember my main takeaway with him is that if he plays well enough, there's no reason why he couldn't be a late first rounder. And I, I think that he was in that conversation to Jerjon Newton from Illinois is probably going to be the first defensive tackle selected, but mm-hmm. Tyleek Williams and McKinley Jackson could have been in that conversation of being that second defensive tackle off the board. And he decides to go back. Good for him to develop even more. He could be the first defensive tackle selected in 2025. So I think that that's why that's tremendous value for him to come back. And just to know that a player of his size, his magnitude, his impact will be a part of this defense will be huge for Ohio state next season. How much money does he have to get to, Determine. I mean, it's, it's, it's a good it's, question. It's, it's a different world, right? If you if you're talking about if you're talking about a top five player at your position, right? Even though I don't even think about exactly where they they end up first, second, third round. But I'm a top five player at my position with still some work to do to be able to prove that I'm number one, number two, number three, right? Um, and then after that, based on position, you know, team need, I'm a top three guy in my position. You know, I'm getting a lot of money. Um, how do you – I'm just just imagine, like, what? <laughs> how much do you need to feel like, okay, it's worth at least spend another year to, to begin to, to try to develop and improve my draft stock while also, you know, being comfortable in my current position and continue to chase my, my college goals as well? Right. The, the biggest way that I look at this is not so much, like, how much money comes with that first-round contract compared to – how much money Ohio state might've come to the table with to offer him. It's, it's the uncertainty of his specific position. And this comes into play with Travion Henderson as well. Defensive tackles and running backs are just positions that their value in the NFL draft has slowly decreased. It is slowly depleted because defensive tackles rotate a ton. Now running backs rotate a ton. Now that a lot of teams are going to wait. A lot of teams will look at a guy uh, like a McKinley Jackson from Texas A&M, or even a Jerjon Newton, and say, we really like him, but we'd rather draft a guy at a position that's harder to find talent. Um, maybe it's wide receiver, maybe it's offensive tackle, whatever it might be, cornerback. It's harder to get one of those elite players in the NFL. We'd rather draft a guy in the first round and then just grab somebody we had a similar grade to a defensive tackle because we're just going to end up rotating them anyways. It's not worth the value. So I think for a guy like Tyleek, uh, Tyreek Williams and Travion Henderson to not have that much certainty and to not really know for sure if you're going to be a first round pick and to risk the the potential of being day two and even late day two that's a lot of money to lose it absolutely is so I think the incentive for guys to get paid one more year pocket the money spend it do whatever you want with it and then to know that it's your time to take that next chapter that next step it's not going to really change that much if, if things don't go, you know, perfectly and you end up being a top 15 pick. Now, now the player for me, the biggest surprise for me that, that came back for Ohio State for one more year that had a, a essentially outstanding year and to me was probably going up the ranks, but I wanted to see if you had a grade on was Denzel Burke. Uh, he played quarterback for us, um, had a fantastic season. Um, and I was, like I said, if I was betting money, I would have bet money that he would have went on to the NFL. Did you have a grade on Denzel? And how did you see his performance throughout this year? I'd watched a little bit of him, but my co-host, uh, Ryan Roberts, was a really big fan of him. And I, I kind of gave him a hard time that uh, he decided to go back because <laughs> he, wa- you know, he wasted his time watching him. Uh, no, but uh, Denzel Burke, I was pleasantly surprised, though, seeing that development that you're talking about. It, it seems like it's been forever since we've had 
an elite Ohio State corner come out since what Jeff Okuda is probably the most recent one that we can think of. It's kind of been tough skating for the past three or so drafts. I thought that Burke was was fantastic, and he could have played himself or has played himself into that conversation of being late first round. The problem is, is we look at this this first round corner class, and there's like right now, just to quickly pull it up, like I've got, I want to say, I've got six guys that have first round grade. So it doesn't hurt yeah. him to go back and then end up being uh, a top three pr- player rather than maybe a top seven in this year's class. Yeah, and, that, and that's a, that's key. That's key because when you have a deep cornerback draft, it becomes yeah. really, really tough. Uh, I was a part of a deep cornerback draft. There's a lot of guys, a whole bunch of guys. So, I mean, I think for him, you know, and not knowing too much about that, I think that was a, a good decision for him. Because when you have a light cornerback draft, oh, my yeah. goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Teams need cornerback. It don't matter. It doesn't matter. Any corner. There's only yeah. three corners in the draft. Guess what? That corner's going in the first round. And that's just how it is. So, as long as he can run, they're going to pick him. So right. uh, <laughs> as long as it's not too yeah. short and he can move, that's uh, yeah. that's all it takes. <laughs> now, Tim, you had a point that you you watched the podcast. I didn't see it personally, but you say that uh, our new the new quarterback, the new sheriff in town at the quarterback district for Ohio State, Will Howard, did a podcast, and he had mentioned in that podcast that he had um, you know he requested his grade. He had a, a three to fifth round range, and due to that receiving that information, he decided to kind of look into uh, possibly coming back to college for another year so he could improve that. Uh, Joe, when you're looking at a Will Howard compared to um, our rival, J.J. McCarthy, what are you seeing in the difference of their play and what can you say about them and their performance and how would you say they kind of measure up against each other when when going on to the next level? Yeah, admittedly, I was actually pretty surprised that Will Howard actually got that positive of feedback, but it makes sense because we look at the NFL's history of making a lot of mistakes when it comes to drafting quarterbacks and the overvaluing <laughs> of drafting guys that are just really big and won games in college. And right now that's what's happening for JJ McCarthy. He declares because he got really positive feedback. I and many others who I've spoken to early on, both of my co-hosts, Matt Sims and Ryan Roberts agree with me on this, that JJ McCarthy didn't really do enough to get excited about. We don't need to spend a ton of time to, to like really break him down because this, is, this isn't a Michigan podcast, but it, he wasn't really the most important reason why they won. It was the defense. It was the offensive line. It was the run game that helped Michigan win this year. There's a lot of processing and decision-making things that he needed to improve on. But the NFL has this stupid cliche that they do where they see big kid who can move, big arm, that was a yeah. winner in college. That's a first-round quarterback. And for Will Howard's case, didn't win a national championship, so he checks some of those boxes and they go third-round quarterback. <laughs> it doesn't surprise me. I think that there's a possibility that if he shows some refinement that he could get drafted earlier because, because of those reasons. Uh, if, if John Elway was still a general manager, he would have been the Broncos' uh, first-round pick <laughs> without a doubt because that is literally what he used to go for with all these freaking guys that he drafted with Paxton Lynch and Brock Osweiler. Um, yeah. But I, I think that Will Howard, though, does have traits to get excited about. And specifically for Ohio State next season, he can be a really good player. But as I was talking about here, Ohio State has the ability to be like Michigan and to rely on their run game and not to rely on Will Howard. And I felt like this past year, they called on Will Howard a lot at Kansas State. And he didn't always step up to the plate. He made a, a number of mistakes that cost them games. He wasn't mm-hmm. always completely clean. 
But I think that maybe if he's like J.J. McCarthy next season where he just needs to make the plays when he's called on, he doesn't need to throw the ball 35 times to win a football game. And that's where the, you know, the upside's tremendous uh, for Ohio State in 2024. Yeah, I'm interested. Um, There's one guy we haven't talked a lot about was Emeka Abuka. And, um, you know, going into the year was Marvin Harrison, the top receiver. And a lot of people argue that Abuka was number two, right? At the end of the year, that's not an argument um, as much. But him coming back, he had a rough year. He had some injuries. Um, you know, the quarterback position was inconsistent at times. A lot of targeting of Marvin Harrison. Not a lot of targeting of anybody else, right? <laughs> um, I'm just interested in where do you think he kind of stacks up when it comes to the receivers? If he was to come out, if he came out this year, um, and maybe what's his potential for next year? The thing that I always really find interesting with Emeka Abuka is I, I think so many people don't even know that he was – the higher rated receiver recruit in the class that he was with Marvin Harrison Jr. He was the five-star and I believe Marvin Harrison Jr. was just a high four-star, which is, it's so funny to me, but for those reasons, Patty declared he would have been a first round pick. I I think that after we get past this group of guys, the, you know, the Brian Thomas Jr. from LSU type of guy or Roma Dunze, it does start to thin out a little bit and it's a little bit more of a, you know, pick your body type, pick your style of player for these NFL teams. And, I would have thought that a guy like Emeka Abuka would have worked really well for the Kansas City Chiefs who need receiver help and need that just like one extra final piece because he's a great athlete. He's such a fluid mover. I love his route running. Uh, spark plug after the catch. I was a very big fan of his coming into the season, and I was I was so shocked that his numbers were so low this year. And he talked about the injuries. He talked about, I mean, the circumstance that he's dealing with with Kyle McCord trying <laughs> to figure him, himself out this year. and. Yeah. You know, of course, he's going to force the ball to his high school teammate as much as possible. So that's going to limit Emeka Abuka's production. But, yeah, he's a really talented player. And to come back this upcoming season, he will be the guy. I know that he's competing for, for touches with other five stars. But Emeka Abuka is a, a tremendous football player. Yeah. All right, so real quick, this is kind of wrap things up. This is a few, uh, I don't know, highlight notes here to kind of hit for our Buckeyes. We have a transfer portal, as Jari mentioned. We have Quishon Jeskins committing to the team out of Ole Miss, who's a two-time All-SEC running back. So the backfield will be a three-headed monster next season, right, Chum? Yeah, uh, We also have some coaches changes as well. Uh, the big news there is that Parker Fleming has been let go, and <laughs> we know what that means. That was our office, our special teams coordinator, so we know what that means around Buckeye Nation. A lot of people is cheering that news. You know when a chair got losing his job, but yeah. we, we we definitely could improve on the special team side of the ball. But yeah, that, but that's our show, Joe. Appreciate you once again for joining us. Once again, feel free to uh, subscribe to Joe Team the show. First Team Podcast, once again, part of our Believe Network. Always subscribe to us here at the Believe in Buckeyes on all platforms, on YouTube as well. Uh, and, yeah, like we're just going to end the show. Joe, we're going to throw you into this, man. Act like, you, act like you've done this before now. We're going to hit you with an 08, 08, 08. I don't know how to do this, man. Oh, Joe, you're, oh, you're killing us. You're killing us. Oh, you're killing us. Man, you got to watch more film. You got to watch more film. Oh, uh, you really did throw me, throw me out, out there. I was not ready. <laughs> you know, Joe, we really appreciate it. We appreciate uh, it, Joe. And we'll talk with you soon. <laughs> Thank you. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. 
Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.